You're listening to the Birdie Dad podcast. They can't make a birdie, but they can dad. And now your hosts, Jared, Brian, and Trevor. This week on the podcast, we interview ESPN senior writer and author Wright Thompson. We brought Wright on the show because he's a great dad and he just happened to watch Tiger in his prime win two Masters. We had to know what that was like. And in this interview, we had some sound quality issues, so bear with us and enjoy the conversation. Head over to our website at birdiedads.com where we're giving away copies of Wright's book, Pappy Land. All you need to do is click on this episode and enter for a chance to win that book. Now let's get to the show. Well, this week, Wright Thompson, senior writer for ESPN and author, most recently you wrote the book Pappy Land, right? Thanks for joining us. You are with maybe the cheesiest dads and wannabe golfers you've never met. So thanks for joining us today. I don't know. I feel like I'm giving you a run for your money. So uh, I'm right at home. <laughs> well, yeah. be- before we get into uh, sports talk and golf stuff, uh, give us the rundown on your dad game. Well, uh... Look, when we had one kid, I thought I was awesome at it. Uh, now I have a three-year-old and a three-month-old, and it feels like the difference between having a dog and having a zoo. Uh, <laughs> so uh, my, my degree of confidence is declining rapidly. Uh, I do feel like my dad game is pretty strong, though, although I'm already terrified of the moment when uh, our three-year-old realizes that uh, barbecue sandwiches are made out of Peppa Pig, uh, that's going to be a real problem. <laughs> well, if we could give you, like in golf, you know, we talk about a golf index. If you were to take your dad index and scratch a zero, where where is that? Where's your parent index right now? Give us a number. No, I'm breaking 90. Okay. Uh, that's good. Uh, <laughs> so good. But, you know, four months ago, I was like, dude, I'm playing blades. I'm scratch. <laughs> uh, so I've had a comeuppance. Yep. Yep. That, that'll happen too. I mean, especially with the second one. So good work, uh, you know, managing that. I, I have t- Jared, uh, is only a now, um, our host, uh, has two, but they're older. They're at like nine and seven. I'm kind of ahead of you by probably years. So I've got a, a almost five and, and, and two year old or almost three year old right now. Um, it gets easier right on you, man. Even with two, it gets easier. Um, you just got to keep on helping out with the younger one. That's the key. Well, that's why I want to like just lock them in a room together and just be like, raise each other. I'll see you in 16 years. <laughs> so let's go into your work at, at, as a sports writer. You're talking to your kids. If you were to share with them, who are your top three people you've been able to cover live in your career? Oh, I mean, uh, Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan. Uh, uh, I mean, a lot of people. I mean, uh, you know, Leo Messi probably. Ronaldo. Oh, nice. Uh, I mean, I've been very, very lucky. I mean, every single thing you can go to, I've been to. And uh, so, I mean, I've seen some amazing stuff. Uh, you know, like make the hair stand up on your neck stuff. Yeah. I mean, I want to, dude, I want to get in your head a little bit. Your kids are too young to see Tiger play live. So let's go, go that route. What, what will you tell them? Let's get into that, that feel, the magic on that course. What, what is it like to see Tiger in that moment? I mean, I've seen him win two masters. Uh, it's nuts. I mean, it, you know, the sound that it makes is different. You know, I've seen India play Pakistan in cricket and uh, tw- twice, maybe through twice. The sound that it makes is crazy. 
uh, you know, I was, the sound of a place like that is really something. And it's, you, you don't really, it, it's hard to describe to people. I mean, I've been standing on the field at Tiger Stadium in uh, Baton Rouge when LSU was playing Alabama. And there was a guy standing right next to me and we were screaming at each other and couldn't hear. I mean, like, that's the thing people don't realize is some of these stadiums just have a different kind of noise. Like Arrowhead in Kansas City. I don't know what it is about the shape of the place, but it's really, really loud. And there are other stadiums that you would think would be loud. I'm not naming names, but, I mean, there are other stadiums that have big, big crowds that just aren't loud. It has to do – it must have something to do with the way it's all shaped. But, I mean, you know – it's real. I mean, some of these places, just the sound is what stays with you. A Kentucky, a Kentucky Derby, the sound of the crowd and of the horses when they turn for home is really incredible. Yeah, you, I describe it as magic. You know, I mean, just the magic in that element. And you, you have, you've been in some of the most amazing environments. And I, I was watching that special on Tiger, and even my wife, who's not a golf fan, was amazed at the crowd following him hole to hole. And we just, I was wondering, what does that sound like to be there? You know, the best thing about, the coolest thing about Tiger, about being at a big event where Tiger is winning or doing well, is actually when you, you're not following him, so you're a couple of holes ahead or a couple of holes behind or maybe all the way on the other side of the golf course, and then you just hear it. And it's like, you know, I loved, I used to love to think about like all the, you know, when Tiger had his long sort of walk through the wilderness before 2019, you know, you had all those sort of gutless wonder modern golfers and they all talked about how they wanted Tiger. And I just kept thinking, no, you don't. <laughs> like, you think you, you know, but you don't. And yeah. like, if you ever, I mean, some of these guys showed up on Sunday and Tiger was himself like he was in 2019 and you get on the tee and there's that dude, he's got the fluffy Tiger cover on his driver and he's wearing <laughs> red. Uh, you just shit yourself. I mean, like... <laughs> Like everybody's like, you know, you don't want any part of any of that. Uh, and so like those noises, I really remember. Let's talk about, you know, hearing the crowds from, from a ways. And so you've been to, I don't know, countless mass point. Um, what's your routine? Like you, you get into the, into the grounds and um, you go grab a sandwich or like, how do you process today? And where's your favorite spot to be, um, you know, during a tiger run and, and just normal as well? So, uh, I mean, usually what you'll do, what I would do is I get to the course before it opens. Uh, I think they open the gates at 8 a.m. Uh, I usually like to get there, you know, 7. Uh, the media center, uh, the new media center is crazy nice. It's almost like a Four Seasons hotel. The old media center, though, was wonderful, and it was right by the course. Uh, have you guys ever been there? No. No. No, that's why, that's why we're so curious. Right, so <laughs> <laughs> You know the big scoreboard, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the old media center used to be. There's this sort of narrow cart path that goes that skirts just by the right side of it, and the media center used to be hidden up in the trees up there, right on number one fairway. Now it's moved away, and they have it's. But like, so most of the Masters I covered, that's where it was. Go in there, get a coffee, get a sausage biscuit or a sandwich, mm-hmm. and then I like, you know, I like to cut across one, cut across 10, go up through that sort of big swale up behind, God, what's that, in between 15, 16, and, and you can end up in the sort of big, almost like nose point 
of pine trees right there at Amen Corner. So there, so that you can see 11 approach and 11 green, 12 T, 12 green, 13 T. And so there used to be a, mem- a media and members bleachers there. And they took it down because they have these different camera angles now. But there used to be a bleachers there that you could sit up there. And that was my favorite place, certainly in golf. I mean, one of my favorite places ever. So, like, what I would like to do is on a, you know, if Tiger was playing, uh, I'd, usually, I'd go out there and I'd just sit there all day and wait for Tiger to get to Amen Corner and then follow him home. Ah, would be a would a, be a routine. That's an awesome routine. So when I get out there, oh, we enter the lottery every year. When I get out there, that's that's a perfect route. I'm like, that's awesome. Thanks. And 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 what you should do is, uh, you set up chairs, and so there's a mad rush. Mm-hmm. And so the trick is, you want to get to twelve first. And so you know, th- there's that really direct route that the people have been going every year know. Like, you know, if it's your first time and no one tells you the most direct route and you just wander around even a little, by the time you get there, it's going to be eight rows deep of chairs set up. And then there's an honor system. People put business cards and they're Ah. like the little low profile master's chairs. Like no one takes anyone's seat. You get your chair set up. You can, you can leave it and walk around for four hours and come back and it'll be sitting there. That's very cool. That's very cool. And speaking of the masters, I mean, you know, one of the things you talk about um, in the article is the connection that the masters had with your dad. And that's kind of what caught my attention uh, when you were on SVP recently was, um, is right before the, the fall masters this year, rather than the spring masters. So we'll call it. Um, but um, it just caught my attention how, how, how meaningful that is for you um, just with your connection with your dad. Um, can you kind of, Give our listeners who haven't kind of read that article um, a little more background on sure. on how you got into the masters and and just kind of that connection with your dad. You know, it's funny. I mean, I uh, uh, my uh, I never re- so my dad loved the masters and we used to watch it every year. Uh, you know, I, I've talked about how emotional he was uh, when Jack Nicklaus won in 1986, and I, he, like he came and got me and was like, "You need to come watch this." So like I remember that very specifically that I was doing something else and he came and got me and was like, "You need to." Jack Nicholas is about to win the Masters, and you're going to remember this for the rest of your life. And what I didn't realize, this is crazy. I mean, I have talked about that endlessly and written about it. And then two years ago, I was at the Masters about to go on with Van Pelt. And I just decided to Google what was the date of the 1986 Sunday round at the Masters. And it was my dad's 40th birthday. And I had never really put that together and uh, didn't understand it then, you know, but like now that, you know, having turned 40 several years ago, uh, I totally understand that like, you know, seeing Nicholas do that at that age was a reminder of uh, I guess how much time had uh, passed and yet, you know, hold on to this flickering idea that there are still things possible. And so, uh, Anyway, I mean, I, I didn't, I, you know, I wrote that long story and didn't think to see. And so it, it all makes a lot more sense to me now. You know, I mean, there, there are certain things that you can't understand until you experience them or you're older. And uh, so, yeah, but anyway, we watched the Masters all the time and he really wanted to go. And uh, I did not take him, which I regret tremendously, obviously. I mean, there's some things you can't understand until you have kids either, right? <laughs> That's something we've all learned. Uh, sharing that moment. I mean, I, I 
love yeah, that like, because why? <laughs> like why did we do that like because we're selfish until we have kids that's <laughs> 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 you're only thinking about yourself yeah right? but, uh, yeah but i mean we should have just done we could be in las vegas right now yeah <laughs> Yeah, this could be you know, this could be called the 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 birdies and blow podcast. <laughs> there you go. Well, are you going to take golf and extend it no. to your kids in that way, or do you have another item that you share as a dad with them, or you look forward to? You know, I don't want to. I think when you try to force your things on other people, it ends up not working. Uh, so, I mean, I want them to do whatever, play whatever sports they want, or not play, or uh, you know, I. Uh, I mean, I imagine I'm going to take him fly fishing because I really like to do that. But again, I'm not going to be one of those, you know, I want them to do whatever is exciting for them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We've heard that a lot with, with people that have come on our, our podcast is, you know, the, even getting your kids in the golf, have them play every sport and just, you know, let them follow their passion and, and support them the whole way. So we definitely have heard that from a lot of people. Um, one thing I kind of wanted to get into, um, you know, I've, I've lost a parent um, at a young age before my kids were born. Um, Jared uh, has had the same thing happen as well. And then Trevor, um, our other co-host, has, has done the same. And um, one thing I'm struggling with, and, and I don't know if you've, you've thought about it with, with kind of the three-year-old, now a newborn, if you've had time yet. I mean, you've been all over the place with the zoo, as you call it. Um, but how, how do you think you can connect uh, your dad's legacy and your connection to your grandkids and there, it's just going to be kind of word of mouth. Like it's going to be that old, you know, uh, way of passing down history is word of mouth at this point. Well, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, there are two things. One, uh, I mean, I wrote a whole book, you know. Uh, I mean, in some ways, this book has an audience of two. Yep. Uh, and everybody else who likes it, great. But I mean, you know, it, it was certainly written gotcha. with the, with the un, it was certainly written with the understanding that they will one day read it. Uh, Hopefully <laughs> they just won't give a shit, uh, <laughs> which would be fine too. You know what I mean? Honestly, sure. uh, uh, I don't know where Wallace, my daughter learned this, whether it wasn't for me. It, so my mom, maybe, or maybe my wife, but a couple, I don't know, about six weeks ago, she just all of a sudden said, uh, she started laughing. She said, it's funny that daddy had a daddy. And, and I was like, well, <laughs> do you know what daddy's name was? And she said, Walter. And I was like, so my wow. wife must have taught her that. And so that really, uh, you know, uh, uh, that hit me pretty hard. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I'm going to tell them story. I mean, I never knew my dad's dad and uh, have heard a lot of stories. Uh, you know, one of the things that, you know, uh, was important to me about writing the book uh, is that it be unflinching and honest because, I, you know, I, I want them to – see me and my father they don't know uh as uh you know flawed people struggling trying to figure it out as opposed to somebody that they sort of create this idealized caricatured version of that they then try to either satisfy or compete with and it's impossible to when you're chasing or dancing or fighting with a myth and so uh, that was important too that it that it you know that the thing be honest I write them postcards. Oh, sorry. I, I write oh, no, I just, every day. Yeah. Of, oh, go go, I sorry. just want to hear more about the book. I want to hear more about Happy Land and have them have people know what it's about. Give us that breakdown. My, uh, I mean, my wife jokingly calls it Eat, Pray, Love for Dads. <laughs> yeah, I read that. Uh, That's good. Uh, 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 but I mean, I think it's about all those things I was just talking about. I mean, I think it's about, 
identity and inheritance and mythology and, uh, you know, the things we pass on and the things we want to die with us. Uh, mm-hmm. I, every day I'm on the road, which used to be a lot. I mean, I've just, you know, this thing's been crazy. I mean, I was on, you know, I tr- traveled 210 days a year for, uh, you know, 20 years, but every day I've been out of town, uh, I sent Wallace a postcard or a letter. Mm-hmm. And so there are hundreds of them. And so, I mean, there are two and a half years of them before the pandemic. So that's 400 and something. And, and uh, I try to be really, really honest about insecurities and paranoias and fears and, and ambitions and vanities. And, you know, like I, I, I try to be really, really, really raw and unplugged about things I'm worried about, things that aren't going, like things I mess up, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, things that I don't admit to anyone else that I mess up, but I admit they're like, Hey, I really screwed that up. You know, I'll stick to my guns in public, but, uh, yeah. you know, I just, uh, so, I mean, and that's done for the same thing I talked about with the book is that I just want it to be real. So that when she reads it, when I'm dead, that there's an actual person on the page that I haven't created some mythologized cartoon version of myself. Well, I think you succeeded in that because I was, I was reading your book and I picked it up because I'm a bourbon guy. I love bourbon and it's about Pappy Van Winkle and everybody has their Pappy story, I think. And if they haven't had one yet, they want to have a Pappy story. So that's why I picked it up. But by the end of it, I really felt like I was a part of your family. I was a part of the Van Winkle family. So I think you did a great job of getting that down and I'm sure um, Wallace will appreciate it when she's older for sure. Um, so good job. Just want to give you kudos there. <laughs> I really appreciate that. I mean, it, you know, it yeah. could have gone either way. Uh, yeah. it's funny. You sit, in your, you sit in your basement and you honestly hand to God sort of forget that anyone's going to read this. Mm. And so, you know, as it got closer and closer to publication, I started to get more and more freaked out. It was like, man, can I go back in here and change some <laughs> shit? Like, you know, like, maybe we could just cut that chapter out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then I just decided uh, to, to roll with it. Uh, well, it was good. You know, your sentiment about, you know, having something that um, kind of lasts out forever when, you know, after you're dead. And uh, that's a little bit of kind of why, why we're doing this podcast as well as this is going to be some audio files for our kids to go back and, and see, you know, what we were like outside, outside of just being their, their dad. Right. So, um, very cool. I love it. Um, what is, um, kind of your next steps? Like you're promoting Pappy land. Um, I know you're out there kind of doing some tour stuff there, but, um, as far as like ESPN and sports writing and golf, um, what are you doing next? I, uh, I have a story running this week about the Kansas city chiefs, uh, I, uh, we had a, uh, I run a television show called True South, and we had an episode that aired last night. So that was, uh, so we just got through that run. Uh, and then, you know, I mean, a bunch of ESPN stuff cooking. I mean, I'm certainly waiting to get back out in, in the world. Uh, you know, hopefully by this fall, things feel relatively normal. Uh, I'm hoping there's a college football season, like a real one. This last one was really weird. I mean, I know we're all supposed to pretend like I just didn't like it. And like, I didn't give a shit really. Uh, and uh, so I really would like there to be an actual football season. Well, I mean, I think you have such a legacy, like you talked about, you, you've seen Jordan, you've seen Tiger, you've watched Tom Brady live. I mean, all kinds of pieces. And if you could pull, you've already talked about a lot of it, but I know one day these are going to be lessons you'll pass to your kids and to describe 
not only the environment, but what you have picked up from some of these athletes, seeing how they are on and off the field? You know, I have met, I've not met many retired, even superstars who were happy. Uh, hmm. And so uh, I think I'll just try to tell them that like, none of the things they think matter, matter. You know, uh, I remember I spent the day or a couple of days with uh, Dale Murphy, who used to play for the Atlanta Braves, who was like yeah. a superstar in the 80s. Uh, and he, he was like the first MVP caliber athlete I'd ever met who seemed really content. And it turned out that he had very much intentionally sort of killed the avatar of Dale Murphy. Like he'd gone out of his way to sort of snuff out forever the sort of famous version of him and just be dad. And, uh, you know, that to me is the lesson is that like, that, that that's the same. Uh, there's a really famous sports writer named William Knack who wrote a bunch of stories and I went to his funeral and, you know, we've all just sort of dreamed of writing, having a body of work like his. And, you know, one of his kids gave one of the eulogies and just didn't mention a single thing he'd ever written. Didn't, you know, wasn't that they weren't proud, but that was just not in the top five of, you know, things. And so uh, I will try to remind them that, that uh, just because somebody's very successful doesn't mean they're happy. And just because it looks from the outside that somebody has everything in the world doesn't mean they have anything. Such a great message, I think, to pull away mm -hmm. for kids and dads. You know, it's, it's really, we look at somebody and we're like, we want to be there, but there's so much more behind that, right? Okay. But totally. It's like, uh, you know, George Brett used to coach his kids, uh, little league team. And, uh, you know, George told off, uh, one of the other dads who was being too intense. I was like, are you kidding? Sort of the idea of like, uh, you know, the, the general idea of right. I've played in baseball games that matter. And let me tell you, this isn't one of them, <laughs> uh, right. you know? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you know, just don't want to be that guy. And like, if you don't know what that is, you are that guy. You are that guy. Mm -hmm. I love it. <laughs> yeah. If you're listening and you're like, what do you mean? You're the asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. One of my favorite quotes that you wrote and is in the story of uh, your dad, the masters was your dad had a saying, which is he was a lawyer and you know, he wasn't a scratch golfer. And he's like, if your lawyer is a scratch golfer, you need to find a new lawyer. Cause that guy spent too 100%. much time on the golf course. So I think, I think what you're talking about is it's all about balance at this point, which I think is yeah. spot on. Yeah. Uh, golf was part of his interview process for his law firm, except not in the way that anyone thought. Okay. Like if you were out there and just fucking hitting them stiff, you were not getting a job. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I want you working on case law and in cases, right? Not, not on the golf. Yeah. Course. I need you grinding. If, you, if you're it, like, cause that's all that's right. practice. Like no one is born knowing how, you know, to hit an eight iron stiff. If you can do that, you are, Something else in your life is getting short shrift. <laughs> That's right. Parenting, whatever it is, something's getting yeah, what, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you, you know, if your golf ball, if your tee shot starts like this and then goes like that and takes off, you are not <laughs> practicing. You're not working hard. <laughs> That's right. Well, right. I love that you came on. Thanks for joining us. Um, oh, I know you got, you got a hard exit. Thanks again, man. We really love talking yeah. to you, hearing some of your stories. Um, look forward to seeing all the work you're going to be doing in the near future and, and definitely going to give away some editions of Pappy Land and get that out to listeners as well. I really, really appreciate that. Uh, thanks, you guys. I really appreciate your time. Hey, thanks, right. You've just listened for free. Now, here's the deal. 
go to our website at birdiedads.com and join us. You will get our golf starter's guide and our golf coloring book for kids free right now by signing up. It just takes an email. Thanks for hanging out with us, and we'll see you next time.